boys and girls of every age. Wouldn't you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see. This our town of Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Welcome to episode 28 of Rain City Bunker. It's, this is our special Halloween episode. My name is Greg Moon, and I'm here with my co-host, Andy Brown. Hello. And uh, per usual, Andy, it's been a few months since we've done this. <laughs> yes, that's true. But Halloween is special for us, yes. so we always do a Halloween episode. Absolutely. And uh, Andy found a really interesting guest for us to interview. We'll have that a little bit later on. That will be part of this podcast. Yes, that was a lot of fun. Very interesting young lady. Lots of spooky stories. Which is what we try to make the Halloween episode all about. So, uh, part of our tradition is we talk a little bit about Halloween and just the background. And I found a little article on HalloweenHistory.org. I'm going to read a few paragraphs just about the background of Halloween. And just, I like history and, you know, it's just the season. So, um, traditional activities include, this is stuff we all know, traditional Activities include trick-or-treating, bonfires, costume parties, visiting haunted houses, and carving jack-o'-lanterns. Irish and Scottish immigrants carried versions of the traditions to North America in the 1800s. Other Western countries embraced the holiday in the late 20th century, more recently, including Ireland, the United States, Canada, Puerto Rico, United Kingdom, as well as Australia and New Zealand. Halloween has its origins in the ancient Celtic festival known as... Sawain. Sawain. Yep, no, you got it. Sawain. <laughs> the festival of Sawain is a celebration at the end of the harvest season in Gaelic culture. It is a time used by the ancient pagans to stock up on supplies for the future for the upcoming winter. Ancient Gaels believe that on October 31st, the boundaries between the worlds of the living and the dead overlapped, and the deceased would come back to life and cause havoc, such as sickness or damaged crops. And this, I thought this was interesting. Uh, the festival would include frequent, in, frequently include bonfires. It's believed that the fi- fires attracted insects, which attracted bats. Oh yeah, in the, which are an additional attribute of Halloween. Oh yeah, you know it's funny. I was just wondering why bats were such a thing. You know, besides just being creepy looking animals, like yeah. why they were such a thing. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. But you know, I think a lot of this is murky. The history yeah. of Halloween seems pretty murky. So, but that sounds plausible at yeah. least. So, um, history of Halloween has evolved over the years. Activity is popular in U- the U.S., U.K., Ireland, Canada, and due to increased American cultural influence, uh, imported through exposure to U.S. television and other media, trick-or-treating has started to occur among children in many parts of Europe, and in Saudi Aramco camps in Dahran. Well, oh, interesting. <laughs> Akara compounds in Ras Tanara in Saudi Arabia. So, those are like American compounds. Yeah, I in think so, yeah. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Because I don't think the Saudi Arabians would be down to it. Yeah. The most significant growth and resistance is in the UK, where the police have threatened to prosecute parents who allow their children to carry out the trick element. (laughs) In continental Europe, where the commerce-driven importation of Halloween is seen with more skepticism, numerous destructive or illegal tricks and police warnings have further raised suspicion about this game and Halloween in general. Do you... So, as a kid, I I remember usually the night before... Halloween, which was uh, we knew in Michigan as Devil's Night, right? Um, was usually Detroit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they they had some problems with that years ago. Um, that's when I remember like kids throwing eggs and soaping windows and stuff like that. But you know, I I remember even as a kid, I always kind of wondered like, 
you know, trick or treat, and they'd give you a treat. And I remember even as kids thinking, like, I wonder if, what do we do if nobody gives, if they don't give us a treat? Are we supposed to do some sort of trick? And you would always have the, like, that, it always seemed to be like an older neighbor that would be like, well, I don't know, let me see a trick or something. And you're like, <laughs> like, what were you supposed <laughs> you to, you know? know to yeah, it's like, uh, I can and hop usually, on one leg or something. It's little kids doing these things. Yeah. So they probably don't even understand the trick. Aspect right, yeah. But I think they're, in the past, it sounds like, like they would actually do like property damage. That was the trick, haha. If you didn't give them some sort of treat, so that increases the social pressure to give treats. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so a little bit more here. Uh, there is little primary ha- Halloween history documentation of masking or costuming in on Halloween in Ireland, the UK, or America before 1900. The earliest known reference to ritual begging on Halloween in English-speaking North America occurs in 1911, when a newspaper in Kingston, Ontario, near the border of upstate New York reported that it was normal for smaller children to go on the street guising on Halloween between 6 and 7, visiting shops and neighbors to be rewarded with nuts and candies for their rhymes and songs. Another oh, so I, they did actually do little performances. I guess like, yeah. so, yeah. But that's we lost that along the way. Yeah. Another isolated reference occurs a uh, place unknown in 1915 and a third reference in Chicago 1920. Thousands of Halloween postcards introduced between the turn of the 20th century and the 20s commonly show children but do not depict trick-or-treating. Ruth Edna Kelly in her 1919 history on the holiday, The Book of Halloween, makes no mention of such a costume of such a custom, custom in the chapter Halloween in America. It does not seem to become a widespread practice until the 30s and earliest known uses of the term trick-or-treat appear in 1934. The first use in a national publication occurred in 1939. And to wrap it up, um, the uh, custom had become firmly established in popular culture by 1952 when Walt Disney portrayed in the cartoon Trick or Treat. He portrayed it in the cartoon Trick or Treat. Ozzy and Harriet were besieged by trick-or-treaters on an episode on their television show. And UNICEF first conducted a national campaign for children to raise funds for charity while trick-or-treating. Oh, interesting. So it seems like Halloween's been around, but the trick-or-treating thing right, is right, more right. of a recent right. thing. And that's nowadays, that's kind of the main thing besides, I guess. Main thing, but parties. you know, I don't I don't know how much, do you get many, Greg actually has a house that has a side, you know, access to a sidewalk. I don't live in a place where kids come trick-or-treating. Um, the, the asylum, they usually lock us up at night. <laughs> uh, but do you, have you noticed, has it been about the same? It's very sporadic. Very sporadic. Uh, I think last year was like six kids, not wow. many. But a few years before that, or recently, it was like a dozen or eighteen, and so it can you know it's kind of a small range between yeah. six and twelve or eighteen. And I maybe I'm just remembering inaccurately, but I feel like during the seventies when we were kids, like every single kid was out. Oh yeah, I remember like the streets were of kids. Yeah, the streets That's were my memory of yeah. it. Like, Kids I didn't know. Yeah, you know, I lived in the neighborhood. And there was kids out there trick or treating. I didn't I, know probably from farther away. Right, but now. You know, I, I, I still, like you, we still yeah. love Halloween. So yeah. on Halloween, you know, I'm there waiting with the canyon. If no one's there, I'll go out and look up the street, and I'll see one little bunch of, yeah. like, three kids, like well, a block this way and another block You know what I think way. I think happens, though, too, is there's more – it's less um, little kids getting out and doing it with their parents because there's organized – things now like just churches today and malls we're, and yeah we're not recording this district. exactly on halloween obviously <laughs> um and today this is a weekend before halloween 
today uh, went out and it was daylight hours and there were a bunch of kids out in costumes doing the thing in, in our part of town. Mm-hmm. The shops had it all set oh, yeah. up. So I think maybe there's alternatives to actually getting oh, yeah. out. And, oh, yeah. And I know yeah. the church down the street from me has yeah. like a blow up bouncy thing. Oh, right. And, so know, they, they, yeah. And, and I remember years ago, yeah. probably the 80s or 90s, they started doing trick-or-treating in the mall. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that probably all goes back to that scare in the 80s. Yeah. The, the poisoning scare. Yeah. yeah. And also in Seattle anyway, there's, I think, fewer households with children. Yeah. yeah that's true. That, yeah. that explains part of it. Yeah. So but, uh, that's our little overview of Halloween. Yeah. And then we're going to talk just a little bit uh, more about creatures. Yes. So uh, Andy suggested this as he suggests... The creature feature. As he suggests so many interesting uh, uh, stories. Um, well, this was inspired in part, I found a story on the internet where we find all these things. The interwebs. About the New Jersey Devil. Yes. So Andy... You probably from the top of your head, you know a little bit about the nerd. I do. Um, I I can't remember when I heard about it, but I've heard about it several years ago. It's obviously part of New Jer- New Jersey lore. I think it's supposed to hang around the Pine Barrens, right? If I'm not mistaken, Pinelands, Pinelands, yes. or which there's a big. Uh, I have a little bit of a printed. It, a lot of people here. don't associate this with when they think about New Jersey. They don't <laughs> think about this, but the Pine Barrens is a like a big wooded forested area. Um, and the sightings of this creature uh, are, are often in that, in or around that area. The X-Files did an episode that referenced the Jersey Devil. Um, it just kind of used it as a, a little framework to build the story around. It didn't really have a lot to do with it. but um, And I think it took place in the Jersey Pine Barrier Parents. Yeah. I think that's why yeah. they did that. Um, and I know there's like there's a f- couple different myths. Why don't you describe the what it's supposed to look well, like? Well, I have a little... Or story. I'll read you a couple have, yeah. little blurbs here. For it says starts out for more than two hundred years, so quite yeah. a while. People living in or passing through New Jersey's Pinelands have reported seeing a strange winged creature that's come to be known as the Jersey Devil. There are tons of stories about the monster and thousands of witnesses who claim that they have encountered it. Late Tuesday night. Uh, what What was the date on it? Oh gosh, uh, it's all right if you don't have it. This it, was, it was this was recent. recent. This was recent. Yeah, ago, I think. And then this was. We'll post this story. It's from the NewJersey.com. They put it under entertainment. So <laughs> yeah, factor that in. Yeah. But uh, this person, uh, see, uh, so basically, this guy claims to have gotten a few pictures of the Jersey Devil, uh-huh. New Jersey Devil. All right. And uh, when we post the story, there's a picture of it there. Yeah. And this guy named Black. Uh, Black said he grabbed his cell phone and snapped a few photos, but only a few came out. The creature quickly disappeared and left Black wondering, either my mind is playing tricks on me, on me or I just saw the Jersey Devil. So this story kind of uh, made Andy think about, you know, we love to talk about these creatures. Yeah, various what's, creatures. What's, known, what's known in the world of, you know, the paranormal is cryptozoology. Cryptozoology, right? yeah. And uh, so, you know, there's creatures like this and then, we mentioned Spring Heel Jack. I think we talked about in a who's been prior around episode. for off and on for hundreds of years. Yeah, it hasn't. I don't think there's been any recent Spring Heel Jack stories, but yeah, I think it started in the, it says uh, 1837. I think is one of the earliest. And uh, it's mostly a British phenomenon. If yes, I'm not Britain. They're in yeah. Britain, and Spring Heel Jack is kind of this mysterious kind of devil-like yeah. guy. And yeah, he would cloven hoofed. 
and the spring heel comes because he leaps from from place to place. Yeah, and, yeah. in fact, I, I read earlier today he le- allegedly leaped over a nine foot wall. Yeah, yeah. So, but he would create mayhem. I mean, one of the stories was he uh, attacked and sexually assaulted a woman. Yeah, ripped yeah, he her would, clothes and then yeah. he took off. Right with clawed hands. Very yeah, odd clawed, description. Yeah. Like he shot like sparks or something out of his mouth and yes, had clawed sparks, fingers. Yeah, cloven hooves and yeah, all just this. bizarre. It's kind yeah. of a devil type right. creature. But also, I heard it. Well, read today that also described as a gentlemanly looking, yeah, so dapperly dressed, right? Yeah. So Andy was kind of differentiating between those creatures, the New Jersey Devil and Springheel Jack, which seem pretty. How do you word it, Andy? Well, this this is the thing I've thought about for a long time. Um, that there's there's like two categories that you can put these creatures into. There's the ones that are like you know you know go with me on this that are like plausible like they sound like they could be there could be some sort kind of, of scientific creatures in the nat- natural environment right for right. example bigfoot could be some sort of bipedal um primate uh, creature yeah, somewhat that's plausible. yeah somewhat right. plausible not, um not not a unicorn or it, it does seem like it'd be something that you could you know if there were a colony of big feet out there you'd find <laughs> some real uh, solid evidence of them, right. but, but beyond that, or like the Loch Ness monster, it could be some sort of sea prehistoric creature, sea creature that's stuck in a lock, like an actual biological entity of some sort. Yeah. Then you have the other category, which is I put um, the Jersey Devil, um, Spring Hill Jack, and I and think this, this more recently the Slender Man, uh, Slender Man. Well, that's a whole different. Okay. That's a whole different okay. story. That's kind of a yeah. We can a little bit different. Um, that's a little bit different. Um, the Dog Man, uh, which is yeah. That I don't. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a okay. second. And the Mothman. <clears throat> in other words, they're not real plausible. They're usually almost like the like Greek myth sort of hybrid yeah. animals. Yeah. Like the Jersey Devil is often described as being a goat a with winged, winged goat. Winged goat. In the picture it, they published. Yeah. The wings look like bat wings. Bat wings. So, to me... Pretty... That, yeah, not as plausible. Not right? as plausible. So, they have they seem to have more supernatural elements attached Mythological, to Mythological, supernatural. Right. And and often are... This is another kind of interesting thing. They're often harbingers of bad things bad that happen. Um, like, uh, I know Mothman. The whole Mothman <clears throat> story um, that... Uh, is often connected to he shows up when tragedies happen, like prior to tragedies happening. Can you quickly describe Mothman? I'm not familiar. Oh with boy, um, there was a book by John Keel called The Mothman Prophecies. Uh, uh, there was this community mount. Oh boy. Uh, oh, now I'm Get stuck. The state or the regions? Good. Yeah, I think it was Virginia. Okay, uh, I'm probably screwing that up, but they had a whole the reason the John Keel guy was there is because he was investigating. They had UFO sightings and they had strange men in black episodes where these mysterious guys would show up at people's houses who had seen UFOs. Um, And Mothman was a part of that. Like a lot of people described him or it as this large, almost at first they almost thought it was an owl, but like way too big to be like a human sized owl and had glowing red eyes and, and it was often seen in this area that had been like a munitions storage place or something. I'm getting, I'm sure yeah. I'm getting details. This is yeah. all from memory. But just 
to get the yeah, basic and story. and people had sightings. You know, sometimes it was teenagers going out. But to, whenever to they make sighted out. him, he was a harbinger. Well, of... what happened at this place is they had this whole kind of buildup, and there was like what they would call a flap. You know, a lot of UFO sightings, this Mothman character being sighted, and then the and this is real. The um, there was a bridge collapse and it was right around the christmas holidays and the bridge was loaded with cars and a lot of people died actually and then the apparently the um the sightings and all the weirdness stopped and so a lot of particularly john keel who i think has passed away i'm not sure um put the put the two things together like these were almost like signs of something to come okay so this is more contemporary yeah it happened in 1960s i believe um and uh, they did make a movie loosely based on it with Richard Gere. Um, that wasn't bad. It was actually kind of a not a bad movie. Um, but those, those creatures to me, that's interesting. Because, like, you can kind of, I mean, you know, whether you believe in it or not, you can kind of come up with a scientific explanation for a Bigfoot or a Loch Ness Monster. Right. Or, you know, that kind of thing. But, like, a flying bat-winged goat. <laughs> that's never showed up in zoology yeah yeah cryptozoology I guess, right yeah that we've never seen anything yeah. like that so if that thing were to be real which it would almost by would definition have to be like almost a supernatural or spiritual or yeah god or yeah. devil thing right very unusual not the, part of our the world. chupacabra thing seems to kind of go in in between those two things but um but yeah i just thought it would be interesting to kind of talk because I've, I've always you know there's always been a little bit separate but you know once again, playing with the idea, I know a lot of people even think this about Bigfoot, that there's maybe what we're actually seeing is things drifting over from another dimension. Um, and that will tie into our interview with our guest. There's, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. It'll make, make sense. Yeah, well, why don't you about. do that introduction? For, uh, um, sure. Uh, Should we just transition to it? Um, yeah, we might as well get to it. That's the good stuff anyways. Uh, we'll be talking to Violet. Um, uh, I'll introduce her in the segment. Um, but just to talk a little bit about her right now, uh, she grew up on the, was born in a Hopi reservation, grew up in the Navajo reservation, um, and lived there until she was eight, 18. Yeah, it was said? like a few years out. I was looking at our recording yeah. device when we said that. Um, and she shared some stories of, uh, like particularly the Skinwalker, uh, stories from, yeah, from the reservation. Yeah, and a really great ghost story. I yeah, thought. good ghost so story. Yeah. Th- we, we got some really good Halloween content out of Violet, so we appreciate her. Uh, so we have a guest on our podcast, uh, who's going to hopefully tell us some Halloween related stories or spooky stories and a couple other things. Uh, her name is Violet, uh, last name withheld. I met Violet at a coffee place that I go to um, daily. It's nearby where I work, and she used to be a barista there. She is no longer a barista there, but she's cool. And we, I think, did we originally start talking about like music? Maybe. Yeah. I don't even remember. I think this is what's funny because Violet is younger, younger than Greg and I. Which isn't hard to do. No, it's not hard. That bar is getting <laughs> that bar is getting uh, easier and easier to <laughs> higher and higher um, to get under now. Uh, it, but she had on was it seventy six percent uncertain or seven seconds or it was some punk band. Was it uh, TSOL? Uh, yes, maybe that's yeah. what it was. TSOL. They were bigger anyways. And and it kind of struck me. I was like, why is this young person wearing a, you know, a punk shirt? And we started that from where you're, you're kind Yeah, of it seems like punk? it was. They might still be around, but mm-hmm. that I've they're last. They're kind of around. They're they kind of, don't not, have any of the original members. No, no original members. 
Um, and uh, so we got talking that way. And there is another thing that uh, all three of us have in common. And I'll give you a hint, Greg. It's it uh, flows through us and penetrates us. It binds the universe together. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this on the way <laughs> to the bunker. Uh, we are all Star Wars fans. All Star Wars fans. Forever. Yeah. And we're very excited about the new movie coming out, but that's for yes, a later that's show. I already have my tickets. Oh, <laughs> Do you have your tickets already? Yeah. Wow. wow. Midnight showing? Uh, no. It's, it's not the, the premiere night. It's the following day. Oh, ah, okay. So, um, Violet has a very American experience, but kind of a unique American experience in that she grew up on a Navajo <laughs> reservation. You were born in a Hopi reservation. Your, your mom is... Hopi and Navajo, Navajo yeah. and your dad is Hopi Indian. Um, so I, that's one of the things that strikes me about it is that doesn't happen anywhere except for the United States, but it's pretty unique. Not everybody mm-hmm. has that happen. How, how old were you uh, when you moved away? Um, I mean, I lived in the city between like 10 and 13, and then I moved back to the reservation, and I left when I was like 18. Okay. Um. You moved back when you were 18, you said. I, no, I you moved left. Left, left when I you were left 18. left when I was 18. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the reasons that Star Wars actually comes up, uh, you know, with Violet and I talking is they have done a uh, version, or they've dubbed uh, the first Star Wars movie, or A New Hope. A New Hope in Navajo. In Navajo, which is Dani, right? Is that the, how you say the language? <laughs> Dine. Dine. Okay. We always Dine. have trouble with our pronunciation. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Just listen to some of our shows and you'll <laughs> Dine. Okay. And um, and they're gonna do the other movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you you actually even know some of the people who are voice mm-hmm. talent. That's very cool. Did you try? You didn't try out for it. No, I lived here by then. Okay. okay. But a lot of my peers tried out for it. Yeah. So Violet also shares kind of a, a affinity for scary stories and tales of the paranormal yeah, and stuff. I love ghosts and aliens and witches. <laughs> and this is our Halloween episode. Yes. So Andy thought it'd be a good idea and I agreed to bring Violet it, on and hear some of her And particularly she kind of she posted stories. something she posted something on um, a social media site uh, <laughs> that was uh, uh, people's different stories about skinwalkers which yeah. I'd only heard a little bit about um, but why don't you describe a little bit about what skinwalkers are. Skinwalkers are kind of like part of the occult in Navajo. They're not directly witches, but they correspond with such, and they're just bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's back up a bit and maybe talk about when you say witch. Um, I know uh, uh, Violet and I were talking a little bit in preparation for the show, and I asked her, um, now when you say witch, there's, there's like Wicca, which is, um, I don't want to offend anybody, but is most people believe is a relatively recent um, uh, uh, invention. Not saying it's not legitimate, but it's relatively recent. And I, or, and I said, or is it more uh, in the Native American tradition? And you said that it was Native American. Yeah. And what, is, what does a witch mean? Well, like, that's the best translation in English. I mean, yeah. like, there's no, like, goblins or right, anything. Right. But, you yeah. know, like, it's a... I mean, do you know the Do you know the word for witch? Yeah. Well, there's different there's different types. Like I was telling well, you, like there's yeah. a hand trembler. Yeah. But the the skinwalkers are called Yanagoshi, and they're, I guess, ultimately shapeshifters. Yeah. They're men and women by day, and then they're harmful 
monsters by night, right. you know. And what kind of monsters could um, they be? Kind of like animal-human hybrid things, Yeah. Or? They definitely take different shapes. They're, they're known to just wear animal furs and traditional Navajo clothes, cloths. So it's kind of analogous to like Western culture, the idea of a werewolf or something, because they transform, right, Andy? Yeah. A werewolf is a, someone who's been yeah. cursed or whatever and becomes a... That's or, comparable in like a visual sense, mm-hmm. not in the sense of purpose. Because mm-hmm. yeah. like I don't even know what werewolves do other than turn into. Uh, there, well, you know, yeah. there's there's some well, there's all sorts of different stories. I mean, like it could wild. be a cur- it could be a curse, it could be somebody who actively wants to change into a wolf. But I mean, like, yeah. what's their purpose when they become a werewolf? Like, they're just werewolves. Um, uh, either to yeah. engage in mayhem or yeah, um, usually killing and yeah, mayhem. Just, just being wild animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like... There's a lot of different... Yeah. 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 That's, that's what I was confused about. But, like, skinwalkers have a purpose. Yeah. is to hurt people. Right. And they're messengers of of the darks. The dark arts, I guess. So, so is it, like, using magic to attain some sort of goal? And using, using knowledge. Yes. Different things that they learned about how to harm people and how to really break their spirit. Right. Now, can somebody be... You know, in the same way that people say that somebody's like a psychic vampire, they're not like literally like growing fangs, and, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, going to sleep in a coffin, but they have the, the quality of like draining your energy and that sort of thing. Is is the skinwalker term applied to people like that? Like that person has skinwalker attributes? Um, It can be. It's a very secret community yeah i mean it goes to say that if they if anybody finds out that you're actually a skinwalker and like has seen like can identify you like you're a skinwalker you will die the person who turned who identifies them will mm-hmm. die they will die <laughs> because they want to maintain their because secrecy at yeah. all costs yeah. yeah and that's one of the largest secrets is like who knows what and things like that um but as a person they're definitely bad people. Like they're they're not shining rays of hope that you want to help you. you know? So right. talking about Star Wars, it's kind of like the dark side of yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. It's yeah. like power and greed, evil and greed. And yeah. And now, do you, do you view them? You personally, do you view them as more mythological, or do you actually believe? I, this? They're real. They're real. They're, they're very very real. I think as a culture, it's dying. Yeah. And they're rarer and rarer, but they're definitely. They're definitely practicing arts that happen, you know. So this is this would be something you'd have to actually seek out, yeah, um, and go through some sort of uh, process to become a skinwalker, right? Like, yes. like in the in the um, Western myth of like the the like where- Star Wars. Yeah. Like, okay. To become okay. a Jedi or to become a Sith, right. you possess huh. a personal amount of personal power. You possess like a want and a need and it can go good or it can go bad and like the choice is yours like what Mm -hmm. do you really want out of your personal power and that's that's very relatable you know well that brings up an interesting question is there is there something equivalent like if this is the sith is there something that's equivalent (laughs) we're gonna get really geeky now is there something equivalent to like the jedi like uh in the native culture yeah like i mean like i feel like that could be applicable to almost anywhere like anybody who has a good knowledge of where they stand or what they're like you could be a jedi of serving you could be a jedi of computers but like 
as far as spirituality goes, there's there's lots of people who have that natural ability to be quote unquote magical, you mm-hmm. know, that like can dream about other worlds and be in contact with other worlds and understand other worlds that you and I don't, you right. know, like in my belief, there's no heaven, there's no hell. We're just a series of worlds. And so when oh, we're done with this world, we go into the next, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a part of our like spiritual path or whatever. Now, um, so that means that <laughs> it's going to sound bad. It's going to sound like Wizard of Oz, but that does mean that there there are good witches as well. Of course. And um, could you explain again? This is like an English translation, which right, is super yeah. crude. Right, right. But there are people to help you and help you be happy, like Buddha. You know, right. they they're there to help you be happy and be pure and learn how to preserve your family and your culture right. and your way of life. Yeah. So I imagine there's still medicine men in oh, the native culture, right? So they're usually considered to be light or good, right? I mean, they're, they're trying to help people get well, usually. That's the general concept. Um, like, like with any sort of power you have, like even today, you can have that kind of power, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's good, and it doesn't mean you have good intentions. Mm-hmm. You, could be, you could be a medicine man and not know all you're pretending to know, you know? Yeah. You can, or you can be a medicine man and not have all the truths you need to know to be that, yeah. you know? The, the medicine men you have met or know about, have they tended to be one way or another? Or? I mean, naturally. Uh, all of them, I haven't met like a, a good grip of them, <laughs> you know, because they're, they're dying knowledge and like people would rather go to college than right. commit their life to learning. It's, and would it be that it's something you'd, you'd like apprentice with somebody or you oh, kind yeah. of study under somebody? Yeah, yeah. You, you give your life to that, you know? What would it... Um, if you know what what would be like, what would be a very a common or a way that somebody would um, approach somebody who is a, a a witch or a medicine man or something in like what would people come to them for? What would they do? Like what well, purpose like, would they for? Um, just just imagine a community mm. that's just a regular community of anything, mm. and anytime you want something, you go to them and you exchange goods. That's right. that's. It's almost right. a given anywhere. And when you want to become that or you want to apprentice that, you have to bring, like, your family has to contribute, your family, like, animals, jewelry, money, firewood, things like that. And they have to be like, I'm here right. bringing gifts. I want you to teach me. Mm-hmm. And you apprentice, like, you do all the grunt work while you're right. learning all these things, mm-hmm. you but know? What would somebody, what would, uh, what would have these what would one of these people do for somebody like would somebody come to them being like um like either with a physical ailment or oh you know what i mean or like or if like someone's saying, in trouble and yeah you yeah like what what oh, what's yeah, oh, no, no, becoming yeah. apprentice no. well, that's good to know <laughs> um, though yeah that's interesting <laughs> but, but i mean like um the way it worked when i was little you know it was usually the old people that knew each other right and it'd be like well i'm sick and if it's not the flu, or if you, you figure out it's something more, or like sometimes you can tell when you're, when you're having bad luck, you know, like, yeah. oh, I've had a weird day, and like, this isn't normally me. Like, when you intuitively know that something's wrong, you'll know, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, we'll be like, and we'll go and visit, like, the grandpa. And right. we just call him the grandpa, you know? Mm-hmm. And 
we just talk to him and tell him like, oh, I have a problem and we'll bring him food or we'll bring him firewood or something, a gift, right. whatever he asks for. These days it's money, yeah. but traditionally it's like not money, <laughs> yeah. you know, but yeah. like, yeah, they'll ask for money or things like that. And then a ceremony will happen and he'll tell you what's wrong with you. Oh, interesting. Okay. That makes sense. And, and you, do you feel like it's, so this is kind of dying out though? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's going to survive? or? Well, I mean, the language has survived. Yeah. And I think the indigenous nation across the board, across America, like the youth is stepping up to learn their languages yeah. and to take part. And I think if that doesn't happen, and if it does become a dying part, I think what the people now are choosing to take on is positive and it doesn't necessarily have to connotate hurtful. Right, right. That, and that kind of goes back to the Star Wars thing. Like, that's an interesting way to do it. Like, reading about the guy who um, did the Star Wars translation, he was like, how do I get kids to get excited about this mm-hmm. and preserve the language? And I think that's yeah. I think that's pretty genius. Yeah, and now they have mm-hmm. Navajo and Rosetta Stone, you yeah. know? Like, people are learning it again. And it's such a hard language. It has mm-hmm. like six tenses. Yeah, you saying. There's so many words that there's no English word for. Right, you know? right. Like, it's crazy. Like, there's feeling for like the air between spaces. You know, like <laughs> not not an action, but like a feeling like that. You know, yeah. right. There's different things that you don't even think of, and so I think it's really exciting to well, be learning. And, all that. and now, didn't you say? Oh, I'm sorry, Greg. Did you oh, I was just gonna say, Andy. I mean, talking about the complexity of the Navajo language. Because you mentioned on our right here about the Code Talkers, right? And they were Navajo. Yeah. And, and I it, think you have a great uncle, right? You said? Was, yeah. yeah. That was a Code So the Code Talkers had that skill because of the complexity of the Navajo language. It, it gave them insight. Into and it was codes. kind of an un, unknown. If, I, if, if I'm wrong about this, correct me. I know. But I think the reason it worked so well as a radio code during World War II is it wasn't really recorded. You couldn't go research like, what is that language? Oh, I'm hearing oh. Navajo. You can go research it and learn what they okay. were saying. So yeah. we used uh, those folks to send coded messages. And yes. No... Not, not to break other messages. No, no, no. Okay, they I, they I sent coded messages. So it was just yeah. our kind of secret they were, code they that would no one out. knew about. Yeah. Like, code talkers would go out with, with scouts and reconnaissance units, and they would radio to each other. Um, you know, like there's a, uh, you know, there's ships that are going yeah, like down the channel. Yeah, yeah. reconnaissance yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, but the Japanese, and the never, enemy listening in, could have they had no idea, idea what it was. It wasn't that language wasn't there's available no outside. Origin, like it's right. its own origin. Yeah, and know? it's only like, in America. It's not like there's yeah. Navajo. I think at the Asia. time, someone said that like the book said that was there was less than thirty non-native speakers. Yeah. in the world. Yeah. Which wow. is really crazy. My stepdad's white, and he's pretty fluent. <laughs> he's really wow. impressive. Yeah. yeah. He's spent like 30 years on the reservation, though. Like, wow. he, he's paid his dues. <laughs> Maybe 40 now. God, now that I'm older. Wow. Um, now, back to spooky stuff. Uh, so, like, can you tell us a good skinwalker story? It doesn't have to be personal, but, like, what's what's a skinwalker story that... Or is there a maybe, legend? Or, or yeah, something? or a legend. Yeah, there's, that might be good. There's, different like i don't know if there's one specific legend but like i said they go around and hurt people and it's it's definitely like a secret society and there's different things like you can't do like no one can ever know who you are you're not allowed to laugh while you're a skinwalker you're not allowed there's while you're in that form Mm -hmm. but when they're human form they get yeah Yeah. okay but when you're in that form you're not allowed to laugh you're not allowed to like just 
I don't remember a lot of them, but just different things because I'm not a skinwalker. So I'm kind of interested. You talked about how, you know, we talked about kind of an analogy with like werewolves, but do they manifest themselves as kind of like different sorts of animals? Deer? That is very uh, subjective. I think how they learn their arts is very different. Um, I've seen or I've heard people talk talk about them as dogs. I've heard, seen people talk, or I've heard people talk of them like traveling like animals, but standing up as dogs. The one specific time I went to, God, I was in high school, and I had to drive my friend home like after cross country practice, and he lived like out there. He mm-hmm. lived in like the backwoods, and he's one of my good friends. And he was just like, "Yeah, there's skinwalkers. They hang out at the water tower by my house," and we're like kind of laughing about it. And then like as we got closer, I was like, "Are you?" Are you for real? Like, he's like, no, I'm not joking. They live like they live like two miles away from me, and we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so then we um we went. We we're like parked outside his house, and we we're like talking. And he's like, lived. He's like, he was on. There was like kind of a little cliff by his house, and he was at the base of it. And back home, when the moon shines, you can see everything. Yeah, it's you can see every star. You can see all the trees. Like. It's pretty clear. Because there's no city lights. There's it's no all city lights. It's all, and starlight. Yeah. And so we're sitting there, and he's like, yeah, you see that dog? And then, sure enough, giant dog on the ledge, you know? I thought it was like a wolf or something, and I was just like, that's your dog. He's like, no, it's not my dog. And so the way they communicate with each other is by whistling. Whistling wow. and growling. Okay. Like, it's the, the, the grossest growl, and it's... The, it's said that they whistle by making whistles, um, by blowing on whistles made of bone, like human bone. <laughs> I'm creeped out right now. <laughs> and it's so shrill. Ooh. It's so shrill. It's like, you know, like, not an echo, but when you're done blowing, it's still going, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and you can tell when they're done blowing, but it's, the sound is still moving. Right. It's, it's pretty wild. And so, like, they're, they're kind of a ways off. But you could still see, like, a dog, and it's sitting there. Like, it was just sitting there, you know? And, like, dogs in the wild, they don't just sit and right. walk, you know? Yeah. So then he's like, you better come inside. Like, I don't know, that dog, that dog's just watching us. So I was like, okay. So he sat inside, and his parents were inside, and he's like, yeah, that dog's been circling our house for, like, a couple hours now, and we don't know what it wants. And thinking of just like, and the dad was just like really uppity. He's like, I'm about to go shoot it, blah, blah, blah. You know? <laughs> and it was getting late. Like, it was during winter because that's when the cross country season is. So it gets dark really early. And I was like, well, I better get go now. I went outside and there was another one in the yard. The one was up there. There's another one in the yard. And it was just like, it was just walking, like, kind of being an animal. I went to start my the car I was driving and it wouldn't start. <laughs> it's like a horror movie. It was like and like you're hyper aware of these things. If you see a dog in the dark, like you're definitely like, what's that? You know? Yeah. And you want your car to start. Yeah. You want your car to start because like we're kind of like running to our car and like uh, and it wouldn't start. So I had to like run back in the house and I'm like, cool, my car won't start, guys. And like the dad was just all kinds of livid, like unnaturally livid. Mm-hmm. Just like. <laughs> ah, it's like, I'm gonna get rid of them. 
Well, like, the mom was just, like, talking them, like about them like they were people. Like, well, we don't know what they want. We should just ask. <laughs> and then the dad was like, there's no reasoning to them. And, like, <laughs> you know, and it was very, like, a very, like, well, we have to communicate with them somehow. And they just, like, wouldn't go away. And we heard... We heard the whistle. We heard like a really loud, long whistle. And then that was kind of like the call, like, okay, I guess stay in here tonight, guys. <laughs> and I called my mom and I like I explained to her the situation. She was like, Yeah, don't go driving, like you know, like it was a a real threat. And like thinking back on it now, it doesn't sound like it sounds like I could just be able to like go home and not think about it, you know. Right. But it was like that's how real it is back home. Like it's an actual threat that someone's trying to hurt you. And so that happened, and the dad that night didn't sleep. He didn't sleep at all, and he was just so angry. And I've never known that man to be angry. And like a violation of his... Just, like, his, his character. Because yeah. he was always yeah. very jovial and very, like, jokey. But did he and feel like, like these animals were in his he was area, just, his zone, or his I territory? I think that's what, that's what triggered it, you know? But, like, he was just unnaturally angry, and it was really weird, and it kind of, like, made me uncomfortable. Like, yeah. you go to your friend's house, you don't want to be around an angry dad. You right, know? right, yeah. And I remember, like, the mom was really upset. Like, maybe I should just drive you home. And he's like, no one's leaving this house. <laughs> no one's going anywhere. And we've never known him to be like that. So then we went to sleep, and we could just hear things all night. We could hear, like, footsteps on the, the roof. Yeah. We could hear the dogs freaking out. We could hear the chickens freaking out. And it would come in waves, and it would stop. And then, like, every, like, hour and a half or so it would happen. And just, like, so much was happening around the house. Like, taps on the window. <laughs> and finally, we all got in the living room. It was, like, maybe 11.30. I was tired. My friend was tired. And we are just kind of, like, huddled up, kind of, I think the TV was on they had electricity and stuff but then we were kind of like drifting out you know that's like nodding off and it's, you hear that on the front from the front window Ooh. and we we're like freaking out like ah, ah, and kind of just went on like that and then the daytime came and it turns out i guess like someone was trying to wit quote unquote witch the dad because the dad had something someone else wanted Ah, that, that kind of goes full circle. So, yeah. yeah, there was harassment because somebody wanted and something. And so, like, they were there to, like, harass him. And they do a thing that makes you sick, you know, like, physically sick. And it goes, but it's said that they, like, kind of, like, blowgun darts, you know? Mm. Like, they do that, but they do with bones. Yeah. And without, like, actually making a scar or any kind of wound, the bones will penetrate your skin. And they're like, and you, you'll be cursed. With an illness. With an illness, an ailment, yeah. Did you feel physically ill, or, or did you feel like, I mean, besides being scared, did you feel any kind of wrongness in that situation? It just situation? felt like we shouldn't have been there. Yeah. The mom was sick. Yeah. She was just freaking out, trying to be calm because we were scared, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I think, like, the dad being that angry it was part of his sickness, you know? Yeah. So, like, that would happen. There was another one. One of my friends told me about just, like, the dog just waiting in front of the grandma's house. Yeah. Oh. You know? Like, she, she went to stay with her grandma, and she had a flock of sheep. And she was an old lady. No electricity, no water, in the middle of nowhere. 
and my friend's job was to go and help her like herd sheep and shear them for the winter or something like that I don't really quite remember but like there was all kinds of shenanigans happening and on the last night they had a medicine man come over no no one of the last nights where they like were like okay medicine man's coming over we're gonna help us fix the situation they woke up in the morning and the sheep were completely skinned like two of them in her front yard uh, and the grandma was so sad because yeah. her babies but like things like that happen like they have some kind of connection to animals that are super spooky yeah. But that it, it's interesting you that part that you I didn't add that was part of the story where the the father was targeted because I was kind of like what would be the point of doing this but then it yeah he said there was some reason that he was targeted yeah and and it and it almost sounds like they're not only are they there in the environment freaking people out through fear but it almost sounds like they they're influencing people psychologically too yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah they definitely mess with your just your space, you know, yeah. like, um, Native people live very isolated on their own, even in families, like, when I lived with my family, I lived with my parents, and our nearest neighbor was, like, two miles away, you know, yeah. and, like, when she was little, like, her nearest cousin was, like, half a mile away, you know, <laughs> so, like, everyone lives super isolated, yeah. and to have someone on your land without your permission is very intrusive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because there's so much land everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're obviously probably targeting they're, yeah, in targeting some sense you. if they're on your space. Oh, I do have a, I do have a story that's actually pretty recent, maybe like three, three or four years ago. Okay. I was dating someone from Seattle, and it was the first time I was taking him back to the reservation. And I always told him about skinwalkers, told him like unlimited stories and things mm-hmm. like that. And we love scary stories. And he's like, can we go skinwalker hunting? And we're like, yeah. And like by this time, it was kind of novel. Right, Because right. the last few times we went, nothing happened. We're just like laying in the middle oh, of the desert. I should say, you you used to go out with your friends like and go oh, and kind of skinwalk, yeah. skinwalker hunting, right? Yeah, in high school, we just like drive in the middle of nowhere, like in the middle of the night and kind of hang out and wait for something to happen. More times than not, nothing would, but sometimes it got really spooky. Um... <laughs> Believe. So you were treating him to this. Yeah, and <laughs> okay. he, he was so excited. He went to this place called Blue Canyon. My two best friends and him had this big dually truck kind of driving around. And it's at the bottom. We were, like, driving at the bottom of this giant canyon. And I'm just, like, looking around, you know. And it's, like, I don't know, 2 in the morning. Because that's, like, prime skinwalker time. <laughs> and he was just... We all had flashlights, and he had this giant one that you have to, like, pull the handle to make it go. We were just searching everywhere, and we parked in the middle of this valley, opened all the windows, and he just—he was so excited, and nothing happened. And, like I said, they do the thing with the, the whistles. If you whistle, they'll, re- they'll respond back. So, like, you whistle. We're not whistling. So he whistled. And he's, like, blonde hair, blue-eyed, like, punk boy that... Mm-hmm. Probably has never been on a reservation mm-hmm. again. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he was really excited, but nothing happened. And we're like, well, we know where we can take you. That, like, they pass through there all the time when they're traveling. It's called the Summit. We can go there. And that was just, like, it was on top of a, a small hill, like a large hill, actually. And it's just dense forest, you know. We're like, yeah, we'll just cruise up there. It'll be cool. So we all had flashlights. One best friend is driving. His girlfriend's passenger 
It was like a double cab truck. We're in the back just scanning for everything. Nothing was happening. So like we pull over. We're like, this isn't gonna happen. We're just, nothing's gonna happen. We had driven like two or three miles deep into the forest, just like, if you were driving the Prius, it wouldn't have made it through that, that dirt road, you know? It's like super rough. I was like, okay, I guess we'll turn back around and just go back because we can only drive like 15 miles an hour, you know? And we kind of, yeah, we were going the opposite direction that we had started. And something ran in front of the truck and it was pretty big. And the, the driver's just like, I didn't know what that was. It was an animal. That wasn't an animal. And I'm like, okay, well, we should just keep going. What are, like, the largest size? What, what's the largest animal that would be in that area? Deer. Deer, okay. Deer, they're pretty, mm. like, you know, yeah. biggest horses. Horses? Yeah, horses. Horses, they, they run around. They're pretty, di- those, it's easy to distinguish a horse and a deer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. Usually, yeah. yeah. Totally, like, it was bright enough that we could kind of like see in front of us and right. see, and he was just like, it was just so fast, I didn't see it. And so he stopped, and um, the guy that we took, he was like, wait, 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 stop, 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 I see something. And we all shined our flashlights there. And, you know, I was on the other side when we were coming, so I saw everything, and there was nothing there. Yeah. And where he was pointing, there was a carcass hanging from the tree. Oh. Whoa. Like, and it was covered in white powder. Like, just, it looked like it was just, like, a carcass dipped in flour. <laughs> hung hung over the tree. And we were just like, ah! You know? <laughs> just freaking out. And I was mm. like, that wasn't there before. I, like, I saw it wasn't there before. Because we had stopped to look at it. We are still sitting in the car, like, with our flashlights. And the car stalled out. Once again, Just that's like interesting. The car stalled yeah. out, the lights died, and then he got the car, the, the truck. The truck, he got it started, but the lights wouldn't turn on. Wow. So he's driving blindly for like five minutes. We get out, or no, we, we, we hightail it back to my house, just straight back to my house. And we have like kind of a walk in porch, you know? And all of us got, we're like, that shouldn't have happened. That should not have happened. We didn't mean for that to happen. Like, oh, my God. Like, that's such bad news. And and when we got into the walk-in part of the um, the porch, all these birds flew out. All these black birds. And I was like, <laughs> that were inside the porch? That were inside the porch. And wow. it was like, again, it was like 2, 3 in the morning. Like, birds were What were they doing then? Yeah. And then, like, the the boy, best friend, he's been my best friend for years, and his dad is a, a medicine man yeah. of sorts. I don't know yeah. how, how much, but yeah. um, he knows some things, but he doesn't, that's not his path, you know? And he was just like, they followed us here. Wow. And he's like, I know they followed us here. So uh, I know I've talked to you, uh, Violet, about, like, where I grew up in New England, which is, you know, the home of many ghost stories because it has that kind of atmosphere yeah and uh you know legends and so forth salem witches (laughs) yeah yeah, salem massachusetts and um uh you know i uh, i never never saw the kind of traditional ghost but i used to ride my bike home from friends houses at night you know after telling all these stories and be you know scare the hell out of myself but it seems like the isolation and the environment at the reservation seems like it would uh, give rise to ghost stories 
Now, is there a different way to view ghost stories? Do you have a good ghost story? I do have one that's like kind of unexplainable. I know a lot of it has to like co- commuting in the reservation is dumb. It's like <laughs> it's like commuting here but with no cars. Like we have to drive an hour and a half somewhere to like visit someone. And me and my mom were driving home from visiting one of her aunts, and that was like an hour or so drive away from our house, and they lived like deep in the reservation. And my mom's all about picking up hitchhikers. <laughs> That's kind of nice, but it's, yeah. it's nice. Maybe not so smart, but it's nice dangerous. in theory. <laughs> but we were going home one evening, and it was pretty late. Like it was, it was pretty late. I was, I was like in the back, kind of sleeping. Yeah. She was driving home. I had to be like 14. And we were driving this long, long road in the woods that was paved. And she saw this old lady on the side of the road, just like walking with a dog. Like, no big deal. And the, like, the dog was normal, it wasn't, it wasn't like Skinwalker. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my mom speaks Navajo, you know. And she pulled over and she said to her Navajo, like, Auntie, where are you going? Like, it's late. What are you doing here? And she was like, oh, I got lost. I, I walked the, long, the wrong way. I'm so, like, I'm so stupid. Like, my dog told me, like, me and my dog walked the wrong way. And she's like, well, get in. I'll take you home. And they're just kind of, like, listening to, like, Navajo radio kind of talking. She, but she was, she was pretty quiet, you know. And it's really good. That's it. You Native people are kind of stoic, you know? (laughs) So I was sleeping in the back. I didn't think anything of it. My mom was like, I can't take your dog. And she was like, he'll find his way home. And that's normal there. Oh, oh, okay, okay. normal. Like, leaving your dog to wander for weeks is normal. (laughs) Yeah, Andy and I just had a shocked look. That's why she explained it. Yeah, yeah. What? Leave your dog? That's like leaving your child. (laughs) Yeah, here it is. Yeah, Like, they're, like, dogs aren't inside pets. Yeah, yeah. They know. That makes sense. And so, like, she's like, I I can't take your dog. Like, I don't have my truck. And my kids will sleep in the back. She's like, it's okay. He'll find his way. So they're talking, like, once in a while, and they're talking like sporadically. My mom was like, "What were you doing? Like, where are you coming from?" And she's like, "I'm coming from the trading post." And she like opened up her bag, and she had like, canned food in there. Right. It was like super heavy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she had a bunch of canned food and like some flour or whatever. And she's like, "Yeah, I had this stuff, and then I fell, so I had to just sit down for a long time." And she's like, "Oh, that's so sad." <laughs> and so my mom's like, "God, like, why didn't anybody pick you up?" Driving, driving driving and then there's this random dirt road that went out you know she's like turn here that's that's where my house goes like you can leave me on the side of the road my mom's like no I'm not gonna do that and I could hear them like I'd wake up and then I kind of like look around see them talking go back to sleep and we drove in dirt road maybe about two miles just going super slow and then it turned into a Y and one road was clearly traveled on more one road was kind of overgrown. And she was like, go that way. Uh, my, my son took the car, so we don't have a car anymore. That's why it looks like that. And she's like, ah. My mom was just like annoyed all around, <laughs> you know. So she goes in, and she's like, just leave it here. My, my animals will wake up if you drive any closer. And my mom's like, you don't want us to carry your stuff in? Like, do you need anything? Like, do you want us to go buy you water? Like, do you need anything? She's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll, everything will be okay. Like, I'm home now. And we couldn't see the house or anything, just kind of like the silhouette. Yeah. And she was super like, no, leave me here. Right. All in Navajo, right? Mm-hmm. 
So my mom was super concerned, left her there. She's like, I guess I'll have to go check on her later. Like, I have to come back. Like, not now. We go home. And um, the next morning was a Saturday. And my mom got in the car, and there was a little like a little bag tied with a knot, like a, a tweed string, like a little old fab, like, you know those hobo bags? Yeah. <laughs> it was like a hobo bag tied with a string. Right, right. And it was left on the floor, the, the floor. And At she, your house? And on the, in the car. In where, the car. Where the grandma oh, was sitting. Oh, okay. And so I guess she must have forgotten it, and so my mom was like, good, so we have to go back anyway. Let's right. go back to that place. And I was like, I'm not going there. I got <laughs> stuff to do. <laughs> but my mom went back. And she, had, she said she went there, and the house had no doors, no windows. It was completely abandoned. The corral was overgrown. There was nothing there. And she was really, really spooked out. And she's like, I don't know where to take the stuff. So she just went, and she started walking up the door, and there's a pile of salt on the front porch, just this massive pile of rock salt there yeah and so my mom just kind of left it there and left and she came back and she's so freaked out she's like you never believe what'll happen like that that old lady like wasn't an old lady <laughs> wow. like, that was kind of one and i think that was and usually salt i mean my my esoteric knowledge salt is used to be as kind of a protective barrier usually in a lot For of different spirits? a lot of different traditions Against yeah spirits? Against spirits or to protect mm-hmm. yourself or your place I mean, in, in other maybe not yeah native yeah, yeah. i understand what you're saying yeah but yeah, in, in Native culture, or like my culture specifically, Navajo, salt is used as a form of gratitude. Oh, oh. okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the house had been boarded up. The no. door had been covered and the no, windows covered? No, there was no, there was, like you could walk in the house into like, I think it was like, I don't know if there were rooms, it was a small like house. There was no door and no windows. So it was just like. Like a shack? It or, was like a doorway. Mm-hmm. Oh. With a, it was a house with a doorway but no door. Like it had all been removed, and oh, then the, oh, the okay. windows were all broken. Oh, I see. So like not. So no one, yeah, no one's gonna live there in yeah, a no, house that's oh, exposed. No. Like yeah. Wow. It was just completely empty. What, do you know what was in? Did she just leave the bag? Yeah, or did she, she look, just, no. The look <laughs> she, she just left it. And in like, the bag was a human head. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that is so. Creepy, yeah. When you were in the car, young, you'd wake up sometimes. That woman seemed totally real, right? Yeah. She didn't she, seem like a. A spirit. No, she, like, she was person very was like she was very there. Wow. So did anyone ever go back and check the history of that house? No. Can you check the history of that house and no. see who lived there? No. They don't have those kind of records they on the reservation. Have those kind of records. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, someone might know about it though. Some no. old timers. Like, well, some old timers who live like we could we could ask around, and be like, hey, do you know who lives in this area? Like, yeah. what family? You can ask like that. Yeah. But there aren't any like you can't go to the there's library. There's no records, right? Okay. Yeah. Like, there's no address. But there's some neighbor like a half mile away who might know something about the house. Yeah, right? there wow. might be. Yeah. yeah, that is a great ghost story. That that fits very well in with yeah. our, our and Halloween. Like, in in like I don't know. As far as my experience in Native culture and ghosts, like I said, they don't know they're dead, so they they seem very. They're not like apparitions, you know. Right. Well, I've read that about the Western yeah. view of ghosts is that the spirit. You know, they don't know where to go. They feel like they're still attached to the earth. Yeah. So they don't know where to go. So yeah. they just stay here, and they they, they think they're still alive. Yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, they're kind of like lost souls, essentially, yeah. right, that are stuck. So so we'll wind it up. Thanks for all the stories. But I want I did want to give you an opportunity. We actually talked about this a little bit before, but I think it's kind of it's I think it's valid and I think since we're heading into that season, I I asked Violet if there's like one I'm sure there's many, but like one misconception or one thing she would just wish people would know about like uh native particularly modern native cultures cuz I think I think there are a lot of people that that uh that they think of Native Americans, like in this historical way, but they're you know obviously people yeah. that exist now. Yeah. Um, but what you you said something that I thought was considering we're heading into Halloween that I think is pretty pretty valid. I mean, it's a yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing that people need to know is like we're still here, yeah. and Native American costumes are just as bad as blackface. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's it's very offensive and poor taste. And it's very personally hurtful when people dress as Native Americans and have no idea what any of it means. Right. Like headdresses? Oh yeah. My God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's a lot of meaning behind yeah, a lot of that yeah. stuff yeah. that most Americans just don't know what that's about. Right. right. Like, pe- what people don't know is Natives take very large pride in how they dress traditionally. Right. Like, every piece is well thought out, every piece is planned, and everything means something. So it's like go buy a two dollar headband with beads glued onto it. It's just like that's how much pride you put into like making yourself look good, you know. Yeah. And um, everything is very significant about how we present ourselves as indigenous people. And I think people need to know that it's not okay to make fun of yeah. what's mm-hmm. important to us, you know. Right. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Well, this was a lot of fun, and I. Personally, a little spooked, and, <laughs> and we're, we're maybe we should bring her back for when Star Wars comes out. She's a Star Wars <laughs> we can, fan. We can geek out. So okay. Well, thanks a lot, Violet. Thank thanks, you. Violet. Yeah, and I don't think we us. said it at the end of her segment, so we'll just say it. Happy Halloween, and we'll, as always, we will try to get more out there, but we'll definitely always be back on Halloween. Yeah, Happy Halloween, uh, episode twenty-eight, Rain City Bunker. Uh, talk to you next time. Bye.